Welcome to the Disney Planning Insights Podcast, brought to you by Princesses in the Mouse Disney Travel. Today's podcast is concerning where to stay in and around the Walt Disney World Resort. Hello and welcome to the DPI Podcast. My name's Matt, and today we're going to be going over where to stay in and around Walt Disney World Resort property. There are quite a few options, so Peter, why don't you give us an overview on what's available? Yeah, Matt, there's a lot of different hotels available, but I suppose just quickly in general, I can kind of break them into three categories. I would say that you first of all have the on-site Disney properties, and then you have two tiers of off-site properties. The first tier being off-site properties that work in conjunction with Disney World very closely, and then off-site properties that don't necessarily work with Disney at all. So you would just sort of be booking your packages a la carte, as it were. Let's go ahead and start with the on-site properties because those are the ones that are owned and operated by Disney management, and those are the ones that are going to give you the most all-inclusive experience at Disney World and also offer you the most options. Disney has their on-site properties broken into some tiers and so Matt why don't you just briefly explain to us what those tiers are and sort of why we classify them into those tiers. Disney breaks their hotels into three tier categories. Um, You have the value, the moderate, and the deluxe tiers of resorts around the property. And each come with their pluses and minuses but overall they're really based off of proximity to parks what is available on site and overall price. And it kind of works together with the higher priced hotels are going to be closer to parks. They're going to have more to do in the hotel. Starting out with the value, Peter, why don't you jump into that and let us know what those are about? Sure. So right now there are five different value resorts. And I say right now because we don't know what Disney's planning in the future. But right now there are five value resorts. The first one is really three of them. And so I'm going to talk about them all in tandem. And that's the All-Stars Resorts. The All-Star Complex is over near the Animal Kingdom. And it is built to where as you come into the drive, you experience all three resorts one after another. And the three All-Star Resorts are music, movies, and sports. And so what you can expect here is just over-the-top Disney theming. The rooms are relatively small. They're about 260 square feet. The room themselves consist of two double beds and then a bathroom area. And to kind of understand the bathroom area, you go into a behind-the-curtain area and you're going to have your closet to one side, your bathroom entrance to the other side, and the bathroom's just gonna have a toilet and a shower in there. And then out by the closet area, you're gonna have your sink vanity area. It's gonna be a single sink. These are relatively smaller rooms, so you can picture them sort of like a Motel 6 or something along those lines in terms of their size. But they're still really nice, and they're really nice furnished with Disney decorations, depending on the resort that you're at, sports, movies, or music. So for example, I've stayed at two of these 
and the movies is themed out to different Disney movies, and the music was themed out to different genres of music. So I stayed in the Broadway music area, and it was really neat because in between the Broadway buildings, there were marquee signs, and they were all Disney musicals and things along those lines. It was kind of neat. Uh, the other two resorts that I'll make mention of are Art of Animation and Pop Century. Now, these two value resorts are next to each other, and they actually have a bridge connecting them, and it's called the Generation Bridge. And so it gaps between Art of Animation and Pop Century. And these two resorts are over by the Epcot area. And I put these two together because they, on that bridge, have a station for the new Skyliner system that's opening very shortly. And so that Skyliner system will take you from these resorts out to other resorts as well as Epcot and Hollywood Studios. The rooms at Art of Animation and Pop Century are very similar to the All-Star Resorts. Art of Animation for these rooms, you're going to be in a Little Mermaid suite. So they're going to be decked out for the Little Mermaid. And Pop Century is going to be different decades. And so you might have a 50s, 60s, 70s building. And so the decorations are going to be themed to pop culture during those decades of American history. Those are where they're located. And there's just a general idea for them. I can also generalize all five of these value resorts by talking about sort of what's available at the resorts. What you're going to expect to see at all of these value resorts in terms of dining is that they're all going to have a centralized food court area up in the main building where you find check-in and other available amenities. And so this food court area is exactly what it sounds like when you think of like a mall's food court. You go in and you look around and you have different food lines with different food options. You might have a burger chicken line a pizza line, a salad line, a dessert line, and you kind of pick and choose your way around choosing what you'd want out of each of these lines. These are quick service dining locations, which we talk about in other podcasts. And then from there, in terms of amenities, there's going to be movies and other things like that happening out at the pool. And the pool at these resorts is just what I consider sort of a standard pool. There's going to be Disney decorations and all those great things, but it's at the end of the day, it's just a pool. And there are several smaller pools around the resorts, as well as one big main pool up by that front hub that I just kind of talked about where that dining and check-in are located. As far as transportation goes from all five of these resorts, again, up at that front area, you're going to have queue lines for all of the different parks and water park buses that all leave out of that front area. So you're going to have to travel from your room up to that front check-in dining area to then get into a queue line to travel to any of the parks with the exception of Art of Animation and Pop Century, where you can also head out the other side of the resort to that gap bridge and get a Skyliner that can take you out to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. Just to be aware of transportation when planning these value resorts, these resorts fit quite a lot of people and the transportation is still very similar to other resorts to where the buses are going to come every 10 to 20 minutes. And so you can sometimes expect at value resorts 
transportation lines to be a quite decent weight where you might have to wait two or three buses in order to then get onto your bus. Again, when you get out front, there are queue lines waiting to go to all of these different parks. So that's what to expect at a value resort. And now, Matt, you're going to go ahead and tell us about the moderate resorts. Yeah, so the moderate resorts... And we're going to talk about three locations for resorts. Um, there's two resorts at Port Orleans. You have Caribbean Beach and then you have Coronado Springs. And these are kind of located all over the resort property. So really what makes them a little different than the value is they start with a little bit bigger room, about 314 square feet on average. And what that does is gives you a little bit more room to put your stuff a little bit more room to stretch out, and it's a little bit more room for the bigger beds. Um, there is a step up to a full-size queen bed um, instead of the two doubles in these rooms. As far as the bathrooms, very similar to the value bathrooms, but there are multiple vanities in most of these, and sometimes you'll have a separate toilet area or a separate shower area, depending on the resort. As far as recreation, now your pools... Um, where you're doing those outdoor movies and everything, we'll have slides. Um, some of them will have the ability to rent bikes or we'll have water sports on property. So it gives you some more things to do if you plan on spending some more time at your resort. As far as the dining goes, moderates have a medium-sized food court. It's going to start getting a little bit smaller as the resorts get nicer. They have a poolside bar, at least one table service option at each of your moderate resorts, one indoor bar or lounge area. So it gives you a little bit more to where you can experience your resort and stay at your resort. So when you're looking at those longer stays, you know, you might be able to build in a resort day a little bit easier when you step up to the moderate resorts. And with all the resorts, you get in-room pizza delivery. So you can get that any night at any resort across the property. As far as transportation, bus system that goes from park to park, you're going to have multiple loading locations and then possible boat transportation to and from some of the resorts. So depending on where you're staying, there are boats that will go between the resorts and some of the parks, resorts and Disney Springs. Really, you want to look at those options as you're booking and, you know, talk to us about those because there are some neat features with the transportation that maybe you don't know when, when you're looking at these resorts. As far as some other characteristics, you start getting away from the Disney theming a little bit when you go to the moderate resorts. Coronado Springs is a great example because it's more of a Spanish theming around the resort and it kind of carries over into the rooms even after they did the modern update to the rooms. It really carried some of that Spanish theming. Your check-in areas now are the building your dining options, a lot of that is all together. You don't have any rooms in that main building. Like the value resorts, some of the outer buildings could be quite a walk to that main building. So when you're talking about check-in, check-out, going up and doing some shopping in the main building, eating in your main building, you know, you've got a pretty large area that you may be walking. So you gotta keep that in mind. Next, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the deluxe resorts and there's quite a few of these so peter kind of talk us through the areas and what resorts are considered deluxe sure and just one thing quickly to add about you know matt talking about the moderate 
sizes. Um, they're very similar in size to the value resorts. However, there is one nice plus about the moderate over the values. If you are way out in the far reaches of the value resort, you're going to be hoofing it back up to that front building. But in those moderate resorts, they have an internal bus system that can carry you around up to that front building. And so even if you're really, really far away, you might not have to walk up there unless you really want to, because that internal bus system can bring you up to the front. So just sort of one nice perk about that moderate resort. Um, going into the deluxe resorts though, there are different parks and the big thing about the deluxe resorts is, and the reason why they have the heftiest price tags, is the fact that they have very close proximity to the parks. All of the value in moderate resorts, you're going to have to take buses. You might have a couple of other options like the Skyliner heading out to Caribbean Beach and Art of Animation and Pop Century, but these ones are going to be so close that you could walk to some of the parks or take a new transportation option. So for example, the deluxe resorts in the Magic Kingdom area are all connected via the monorail. And so those are the Polynesian, the Contemporary, and the Grand Floridian. And so they're on their own resort monorail loop with the Magic Kingdom Park, or you can ride that resort monorail loop, get off at the bypass area called the Transportation Center, and jump a monorail down to Epcot as well. Staying in that, that Magic Kingdom Kingdom area is quite convenient if you're trying to go to the Epcot or Magic Kingdom area. There is one more Magic Kingdom resort and that's the Wilderness Lodge and that has a boat system that will take you up to Magic Kingdom's front gate where then you could grab a hold of that monorail and transport yourself around. And so just a couple more options besides that bus. Um, in terms of the Epcot area, we have a boardwalk area back behind Epcot and that houses the Yacht and Beach Club, which I mentioned in the intro video is my favorite place to stay, as well as the Boardwalk Inn, which is across the boardwalk from those two resorts. The great thing about these is that I can walk to Hollywood Studios or I could walk into the backside of Epcot, as well as a boat system, which Matt will be telling you about more here in just one moment. In terms of the Animal Kingdom area, not a lot of deluxe properties, really just the Animal Kingdom lodges over there. But what's cool about this one is that they have Savannah View rooms that back up to the Savannah of the Kilimanjaro Safari ride. And so I've had guests stay there who have woken up in the morning and there's a giraffe right outside your window, which is a really cool experience. Um, so that's where they are. Again, they're really close to those parks. And then Matt's going to give us more details about sort of the amenities and what to expect at these locations. When we're getting into the deluxe resorts, these are going to be kind of your top level rooms to stay in. So just right off the top, rooms are bigger. Your standard room at a deluxe resort averages about 400 square feet for the room. On top of that, you've got villas in all the deluxe resorts that could go up to about 2,500 square feet. As far as the bathrooms go, very similar to the moderate. Dual sink vanity, could have a standalone shower or standalone toilet with a door. Um, really varies from resort to resort. Recreation, you're looking at health clubs in all of the resorts. You have arcades in some of the resorts. Upgraded pools, very, very nice water slides, very themed pools now. So just these are built to where you can spend some more time in them, not necessarily all your time in the park. 
you know, when you're talking about a value resort, it's very much a place to put your head at night, where with a deluxe resort, there's a lot more encompassed in those resorts to where you can spend some more time. At Grand Floridian, you have the Ivy Trellis Salon. If you're into Bippity Boppity Boutique or for the adults character couture, you can get those done while you're at the Grand Floridian, and it's very convenient for all of those resorts that are on that monorail line. When it comes to dining, the deluxe areas have these tiny closet food courts. They're more like a general store to where you can grab a couple of items and you can go back to your room. Where the deluxe resort dining stands alone is you're gonna have multiple table service options on site. On top of that, most of the deluxe resorts have a character dining option within the resort. You're there with the kids. You don't really want to travel somewhere that first night you get there. These are a good place to stay. You can have that character meal that first night when you get in and you're there at the resort so you can crash after that long travel day. Full room service menus at all these resorts. So not just limited to the pizza. They're all going to have a full room service menu and at least one indoor bar or lounge. Places to sit down, get a drink. A lot of them have coffee houses and that kind of stuff to where you can grab coffee while you're there as well. So really they're each kind of their own little properties. Transportation at the deluxe level is interesting because you have so many options. The bus queues are actually very, very small. One station for all the parks you just don't have a lot of people necessarily using the bus transportation when you're at this resort level. They're using everything else because there's so many other cool ways to get around. You know, the monorail's big with those Magic Kingdom properties. The boating system's big if you're over in the Epcot area. So most of your resort patrons are going to use other forms of transportation. The characteristics of these rooms are they are very much elegantly themed a lot of times they bring in world-class architects to build these. They are very different from a hotel. They are their own buildings. They are their own style. I mean, if you look at the contemporary, it is a fantastically designed building. The monorail goes through it and then it has its own little garden wing for some additional rooms off of it. So you're, it's, it's a whole different experience. There is Disney theming. Sometimes you got to look for it a little harder in these types of rooms. When you're sleeping in the rooms, one thing I forgot to mention is almost all these rooms offer a sleeping option outside of the two beds that are in the room. They'll have a trundle bed or a Murphy bed or a pull-out sofa, and it's usually a convertible sofa where it kind of flips over. So there's there's quite a few options on the de deluxe resorts. Um, on top of that, there's a few properties that we haven't mentioned that some of our seasoned Disney goers are going to listen to this and going to ask about, hey, what about Saratoga Springs? I have Peter talk a little bit about the DVC properties. Sure. So like Matt just mentioned, there are a bunch of properties that we didn't include in the on-site. So for example, Matt mentioned Saratoga Springs. Another one that quickly comes to mind is Old Key West. And there are plenty of others that if you look at Disney's website are going to be get listed separately from the actual resort that they're at. So for example, Yacht and Beach Club 
both have their villas. Boardwalk Inn has its villas. The Polynesian has the villas. Like every one of these deluxe resorts has the resort side as well as sort of the villa side. Like Wilderness Lodge has its Copper Creek area and its Boulder Ridge area. And so all of these ones that we haven't talked about are called DVC properties. And DVC stands for Disney Vacation Club. Now I'm not going to go into too many details today on that because Matt and I are planning an entire podcast on DVC here in the future. But just suffice it to say today that the DVC properties are able to be booked by non-DVC members. And if you were to book one of these other properties, you can expect prices similar to the deluxe property amenities. Again, these are at the deluxe property. So all those amenities Matt just went over with you, different bedroom types beyond, you know, two beds, the king beds, the trundle beds all of that stuff. They're all here on these DVC properties as well, but, and they're going to be comparable prices and you don't necessarily have to be a member of Disney Vacation Club in order to book them. So at this point, this is really wrapped up all of our on-site. And so now we're going to start to slide in to some off-site hotels and just kind of talk through some other options because maybe you don't want to go all in and stay at one of these Disney resorts. And so the first one I'm going to talk about is actually sort of a blend of on-site and off-site, and that's the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. Maybe you've heard of this resort. I know there's sort of a, a fan following out there that loves staying at the Swan and Dolphin. And so where it is, is it's back on the boardwalk around the Beach Club and Yacht Club and Boardwalk Inn, you'll see the Swan and Dolphin building, which is sort of a an orangish color building with some green theming around it. And so the prices here are going to be similar to that of the upper level intermediate and lower level deluxe. And so there might be some reasons why you might want to stay at Swan and Dolphin. It has very nice finishes and spa amenities there as well. And you do get some of those perks. So at Swan and Dolphin, they do have a boat dock that brings you into the boat transportation of Hollywood Studios and Epcot. You can still book your fast passes at 60 days out. And you do have full access to the Disney transportation system where you can have that bus depot out front that has buses that will take you directly to all the other Disney parks at approximately 10 to 20 minute intervals. Matt, what might be some reasons why I wouldn't want to stay at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel? Well, some of the cons about staying at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel are, first off, you can't get a dining plan when you stay at these properties. The dining plan to me, and I know Peter as well, is a huge perk when it comes to staying at a resort property for Walt Disney World. There's so many dining options around the property, including Disney Springs, the ability to make those reservations and they kind of pay for it up front and not have to worry about that while you're at the parks, a huge deal. Also, one of the cool things that Disney released a few years ago was the Magic Band. And the Magic Band's a great thing that kind of encompasses your park tickets, your, your hotel key, all in one device. And you're not able to have that with the Swan and Dolphin. Now, you can bring in your Magic Band and you can link your tickets to it if you, if you have a Magic Band from a past visit. But it's not anything that you can use around the resort and you can't charge your purchases back to your room like you could using the Magic Band 
at a Walt Disney Resort Hotel. Also, the pricing is similar to the high intermediate or deluxe accommodations. So I know Peter went over that, but it's another thing to talk about because you're staying off-site in terms for Disney. Well, that takes care of the Swan and Dolphin. And so now let's kind of break into the truly off-site hotels because like I said, the Swan and Dolphin Hotel is sort of like an on-site, off-site hotel because you get a little bit of that close proximity, but you lose some of those features that Matt just went over. And so when we talk about off-site hotels, the first thing that we would want to bring up is the good neighbor hotels. There are several good neighbor hotels. And what a good neighbor hotel is, is it's a hotel that's in close proximity to the Disney properties that Disney has worked out some deals with to act as perks for those hotel properties. So I'm not going to list them all off, but I will tell you that there are three Hilton locations, three Wyndham locations, a Best Western, a Waldorf, and a Four Seasons that are all in this list of good neighbor hotels. In terms of pricing, you can expect anywhere from value pricing all the way up to expensive deluxe pricing. The value pricing would come in at the Best Western, and the deluxe pricing would come in at the Waldorf and the Four Seasons. Being at a good neighbor hotel has some perks, but it also has some drawbacks. Matt, why don't you go ahead and talk about some of the perks for us? Sure, Peter. So the the big thing for most of these hotels is you can use your rewards points for that hotel chain to book your stays at these resorts. So, you know, if you are a Best Western Rewards member, you can use your Best Western points to book your stay down here. The other thing is that these are kind of disjointed from Disney. So they're not all about Disney. So Disney can be overwhelming to some people and this is a good place to come back and kind of get away and be away from everything that's disney a lot of these hotels have very very nice amenities especially when you're talking about places like the waldorf astoria and the uh the four seasons they are beautiful hotels beautiful properties have a lot to do on site so they're great places to spend a few days of your vacation just exploring those properties and then you know the last thing is because of their affiliation with Disney, you can still book your fast passes at that 60 day window, which is a huge thing. You know, one thing that I did this morning was book fast passes 60 days out, seven o'clock this morning. I still was a- or not able to get a couple of things that I really wanted to get on my trip. You know, it, it really helps to have that 60 day window because when you have to cut it to a 30 day window or when you're at the park, there's a lot of things that you just aren't going to be able to do or you're going to spend a lot of time doing instead of doing other things. So, Peter, talk about a few of the things that would turn some people away from staying at some of these resorts. So the biggest thing for me right off the bat, Matt kind of alluded to it earlier, but I really like to be able to book a dining plan. And so that's not going to be available at any of these offsites, just like it's not available at the Swan and Dolphin. Now, they do have a dining gift card. But essentially all that does for me is just sort of prepay a little bit of dining for me and I get a small discount on it. And so the dining plan not being available is a big reason why I don't like staying off site. The other thing about these good neighbor hotels is that they're not hooked into the Disney transportation system. They're not on a monorail. They're not on the Skyliner. They're not on a boat system. And the bus system is going to be run independently. It's not going to be run by Disney park services. And so I don't have the 10 to 20 minute every 10 to 20 minutes that I 
have at all the on-site properties, many of these hotels will have continuous shuttles that might run on the hour or might have a designated drop-off and a designated pickup time. When it comes to Magic Kingdom, one of the really big off-site hotel drawbacks to me is the fact that their buses drop off at the Ticket and Transportation Center, whereas the Disney buses pull right up to the security line entrance of the Magic Kingdom Park. And so if I'm staying off-site and I'm going to Magic Kingdom for the day, even if I'm at a good neighbor hotel, even if the shuttles are a little bit more frequent than others, I still get dropped off at the Ticket Transportation Center, have to go through the security, have to wait on the ferry or the express monorail, and work my way over to the Magic Kingdom Park. And so that adds a solid 30 minutes to my Magic Kingdom day, that I need to now account for as I'm planning. Um, along with what Matt said with the Swan and Dolphin, Magic Bands, you can buy Magic Bands, but they're pretty much just going to act as your park ticket and your Fast Pass then because they're going to have nothing to do with my resort. And outside of being at the parks, essentially the Magic Band just becomes a wristband in those cases. Now, again, there are some good things about staying off-site, especially if you want your trip to be not just about Disney, maybe you want to go check out SeaWorld or or maybe Universal. But if I'm trying to go to Disney, the off-site isn't necessarily something that I want to spend a lot of time considering, unless I have a really good reason to do so. Um, outside of those off-site hotels, there are then just truly off-site hotels. So Matt, go ahead and just tell us maybe about truly off-site hotels and whatever you want to say about that. So... My first trip, I actually stayed completely off-site, and there are a lot of DCI properties and just regular hotel chains that are around the Celebration and Kissimmee areas that you can get a room, you can drive to and from. It's a pain. It, to me, it was one of the biggest drawbacks of our first trip is we always had to put in more transportation time because you're fighting traffic. You're getting into parking. You have to take the shuttle from your parking up to the front. You know, at Magic Kingdom, it doesn't stop there. You go through security. You get on a monorail. You go around the monorail loop to Magic Kingdom. You go through security. You're finally at the park. You know, you're adding a good full hour to the beginning of your day just staying off-site. These resorts have nothing to do with Disney. They have nothing to do with the resort. You're not going to get many perks other than some of them may offer a shuttle to and from the Ticket and Transportation Center or to and from the water parks or something like that. Not a lot of bonuses with staying in these resorts. But the one thing is, is sometimes you can get a super low cost and you can stay really, really cheap. And they, that may be something that you're looking for on a trip. Yeah, and with those off-site ones, just to kind of add on to there, I've stayed off-site as well. I've actually done it twice. Um, I stayed at a Westgate resort, and then I actually rented a condo when I went down with my in-laws a few years back. And sort of what Matt's saying, it, it, it just kind of adds a little bit of frustration to your day where it sort of robs away some of that Disney magic in my experience. These are all of the places that you can stay here at at Walt Disney World and in the Walt Disney World area. And anything else to add here today, Matt? All resorts have access to the Disney Magical Express to and from the airport, which is a big deal, free transportation. Also, access to the extra magic hours. So each park will offer two to three hours, one, two days a week 
to where resort guests, swan and dolphin guests, good neighbor property guests can go into the parks early or stay later than the general crowd. And it, it makes a little bit of, makes up a little bit of time if you're really looking at that. Now, one thing that you want to look at is everybody looks at when the extra magic hours are. Parks tend to be more crowded on those days that they have extra magic hours. I'm a firm believer of stay away from those parks on those days. As am I, Matt. I actually, when I plan my vacations, I look at extra magic hours and say, so pick one of the other three. Except sometimes we'll hit the late night extra magic hours because a lot of families don't have as robust of kids as mine or are maybe going a little bit too hard in the park during the day. And so my kids can sometimes handle those you know, Epcot from nine to 11 o'clock times where we can jump on some rides with super small wait times. And then the last thing is with the dining, all your on-site resorts, Swan and Dolphin and your good neighbor resorts will allow you to book your dining reservations in a 10 day block from the first day of your reservation. So if your reservation starts on July the 4th, you can book July the 4th through those first 10 days of your resort where everybody else has to kind of wait until their resort stay starts to book those dining reservations. So if you are on a long vacation, you know, you're doing that nine, 10 day uh, Walt Disney World vacation, that makes it a benefit to stay at one of those first three sets of properties that we had really talked about because of it makes sense to be able to book all your dining altogether. So really that's all we have for today's episode. Listen to the podcast through Anchor. Uh, find us on YouTube and subscribe to our mailing list on the website. There are links below for all those uh, locations. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We're, we're glad to help anybody with that, their Disney travels. Turn your Disney dream into a magical Disney vacation with Princesses and the Mouse Disney Travel. Contact us at any of these options or learn more by clicking the website link below.